This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The Young Turks, the Friday night comedy podcast from the BBC, Dan Savage, The Onion Radio News, The Bugle, Le Show, Sam Cedar, Citizen Radio, and The Colbert Report with a bonus video clip for our Apple iOS and Android app users, also from The Colbert Report. The Pope is actually quoted in a new book titled Light of the World, The Pope, The Church, and The Sign of the Times. And in this book, uh, the Pope actually talks about condoms. Now, in the past, the Pope has been very, very uh, against condoms, okay? For instance, back in 2009, he visited Africa, and he was basically saying, yeah, yeah, we can pass out these condoms all we want, but it's not going to stop AIDS. The only thing that's going to stop AIDS is if you all put it in your pants and don't have sex, right? So he's had a very hard stance on condoms. However, in this book, he completely softens his stance, and he basically says that in some cases, uh, condoms make sense. So I'm going to read you his exact quote. He says, in certain cases where the intention is to reduce the risk of infection, it can nevertheless be a first step on the way to another more humane sexuality. I don't really know what humane sexuality means, but okay. Uh, he continues. That means, yeah. mm-hmm. that means if you don't bite, you know, if you don't get too kinky, you know, you're nice and gentle, you know, you make love. That's, that's humane sexuality. <laughs> but if you're dirty, dirty, that ain't humane. That's humane. <laughs> Uh, He continues to say, there may be justified individual cases, for example, when a male prostitute uses a condom, where this can be a first bit of responsibility to redevelop the understanding that not everything is permitted and that one may not need do everything one wishes. But it is not the proper way to deal with the horror of HIV infection. Okay, hold up now. I'm trying to understand. Is a male prostitute allowed to use a condom more than a female prostitute or less? Yeah, exactly. Well, obviously, he doesn't clarify that, but I love his specific use of male prostitutes. Eh, condom use makes a little bit of sense if it involves a male prostitute. Oh, I know why he's saying that. <laughs> no, no, no. I get it. I know why he's saying that. Because you remember the Catholic Church is all about, you know, every sperm is sacred. Uh, to use an old Monty Python skit, <laughs> and uh, and and so they're about, hey, listen, if you're gonna have straight sex, make sure you knock her ass up, right? But if you're having gay sex, uh, the sperm's wasted anyway. You might as well not get HIV. <laughs> Look, I'm trying to make sense out of no sense, but at least he's going in the right direction. He's softening on condoms, which I understand people have done before. The body like soft serve, dripping down in the June sun. I tried to shoot a thought, but the thought sunk. Nothing to do but scratch words in the dirt and watch the water roll down. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back on the microphone, Mr. Mitch Penn. Thank you. The Pope said something certain people found unsettling And the proscription of prophylactics he's backpedaling Says there are times when they're acceptable more or less Mainly for hookers and their clients it's a start I guess Bishops and cardinals been trying to clarify all day Just what the Pope and God really meant to say A rubber John is really okie dokie after all Can anybody answer who do we have to call Cause he's very much his own pontiff He always speaks his mind Passes on whatever messages Coming down on God's hotline latest U-turn No one's taking him to task Was it him or was God mistaken? That's something no one knows and ain't nobody going to ask Can it really be so easy to overturn the strictest ban? Can you just rewrite doctrine? If anyone can, the Vatican can still Church embracing change and modernity. They're marching bravely forward into the 19th century. Everybody knows that the Catholic Church has it in for the homos. They just don't like us. 
despite the fact that, you know, it's generally true that the more homosexuals, the more gay people you meet, uh, the less homophobic you are. And you would think uh, the Catholic Church, having met so many fucking homosexuals over the years in the hierarchy, you know, the Pope, those Prada slippers, kind of baggy. Would be over it already, but they're not. They're not. They're you know because they're that kind of closet case. The, the Catholic Church is basically Larry Craig, times a million, running a church. So they are very sort of demonstrative with their homophobia to deflect attention away from their red Prada slippers. One thing that's interesting though about the whole Catholic Church's war on the gays is that most straight people don't know that they also, uh, and it really is a war. You know, we're seeing in Minnesota right now Catholic. Uh, Archbishop sent uh, DVDs to all Catholic parishes in Minnesota attacking gay people and gay marriage and gay families and gay people who are raising children and ordered all these uh, little parishes to show these videos to the congregation. It's just very disgusting what's going on, what the Catholics are up to. But they also have an agenda for straight people. And the Catholic Bishops of Canada, the Canadian Catholic Bishops Organization, whatever the fuck it's called, sent a pastoral letter, uh, the Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops, sent this letter, and they called on all married couples, not just Catholic couples, all married couples to lead chaste lives. Because when it comes to chastity, you really want to turn to the experts, the Catholics. And they don't mean celibate by chaste, they just mean no anal, no blowjobs, no hand jobs, no masturbation for straight married people. You've got to stick it in her vagina. It has to be open to procreation. Because that sexual act is unitive and procreative. Other sexual acts are not chaste. Though, though pleasure may be present, write the bishops, some acts are a misuse of sex when they fall short of what God intended. And really, Catholic bishops would be the experts on sex acts that fall short of what God intended. So, you know, the next time you meet a Catholic who is stumping against gay marriage, who's talking about how uh, homosexuality is an intrinsic moral disorder, and if they're married, you should just look them in the eye and say, does your wife suck your dick? Because if your wife sucks your dick, your church has a problem with that. And if you're getting blowjobs, you're a lousy Catholic, and you're certainly in no position to tell other people who may not even be Catholic who they can marry and who they can't marry. Southern Baptist Seminary President uh, Albert Moeller says that yoga is very unchristian. <laughs> okay, look, look. You know, he says that it has to do with meditation and and some Eastern spirituality, and then so that's a problem. The guy, yoga people aren't trying to take people away. It's not competition. They're not telling people not to go to church. They're just trying to do some upside-down dog positions, get in shape or something, get a little healthy. And so a lot of Christians across the country, there are some Christian yoga places. They're like, no, 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 why are you driving away my business? No. I, I, I tell people, some of them do prayers before yoga, Christian prayers. But do I have to defend this? No. Moeller says... Uh, that uh, he objects to, quote, the idea that the body is a vehicle for reaching consciousness with the divine. No, of course not. The body's totally unnatural. <laughs> what's, what's wrong with getting in touch with your body? Now, I'm not a yoga guy. <laughs> I've talked about it on the show before. I can't get into those positions and I have no desire to. But if somebody wants to, have at it, Hoss. Moeller says, quote, that's just not Christianity. 
Christianity, you don't give a damn about your body, you sit in that church and you give me money. I mean, we try to reach Jesus Christ in other ways, mainly through your donations. But nonetheless, you know what I'm talking about. Yes, I gave him a southern accent. He's from the Southern Baptists. Okay. So, uh, now, uh, he's not alone, though. It's not just Christian conservatives, although it is a lot of them. Um, Pat Robertson, for example, thinks yoga is, quote, kooky. <laughs> Remind me to never criticize yoga again. Uh, and he says it's also really spooky. Okay. It, no, to be fair to him, he just said spooky, not kooky. Correct the record. Okay. And California megachurch pastor John MacArthur called yoga, quote, a false religion. Look, I'm sure some people do yoga for spiritual reasons, but that ain't, the hard, that ain't the main reason people go. Do you know how many people do yoga in this country? Seven million people. Do you know how many there are Southern Baptists there are in the country? I'm sorry, 15.8 million do yoga. That's 7% of the adults in this country. You know how many people uh, are, what percentage of the country are Southern Baptists? 6.7%. So there's actually more people doing yoga than Southern Baptists. Okay. But they're all not alone, because here come the Muslims. Muslim clerics have banned yoga in uh, places like Egypt, Malaysia, and Indonesia. These are the same guys that ban Lord of the Rings, because they think they're in real competition with these folks. They're like, oh, they start doing the yoga on the upside-down dog. All of a sudden, they're not going to believe our voodoo. Help me find a way, help me find a way, to the promised land, this lonely body, needs a helping hand, I ask the Lord to help me, please find a way, when the new day is a dawning, about my heading prayer, I pray to the Lord, won't you leave me there, won't you guide me safely, It's the Onion Radio News. All seven deadly sins were committed at a church bake sale. This is Doyle Redland reporting. Avarice, sloth, envy, lust, gluttony, pride, and wrath. All seven of the fabled deadly sins were committed on Sunday at the twice-annual bake sale at St. Mary's of the Immaculate Conception Church. According to St. Mary's treasurer, Beth Ellen Coyle, church-sponsored events are a notorious breeding ground for these treasonous acts against the Lord God. This is supposed to be about the glorification of God, not violating His Word. Do that and you're no better than that cheap strumpet Melissa Wyckoff with those sinful chocolate cookies of hers. The Seven deadly sins were first outlined in the 5th century by Gregory the Great, who himself was, as indicated by his very name, toying dangerously with the sin of pride. Doyle Redland for the Onion Radio News oh, online cinnamon, at the Onion. Where you gonna run to? Cinnamon, where you gonna run to? Where you gonna run to? All on that day. I hope you enjoyed this show, but also consider it a valuable tool for not only aggregating, but more importantly, amplifying our view of progressive politics in the world. So if that's true, I ask you to support this work by becoming a member of the show at whatever level you're able. As anything from a basic leftist up through the ranks of socialist, communist, Satanist, or even the most reviled level of support, George Soros. I produce 11 episodes a month of fearless coverage on all the hot-button issues we face, maintaining a rock-solid schedule. So if that sounds worth supporting, please consider signing up to donate as little as 5 $5 a month or even $55 a year. Members also gain access to bonus audio and video content that doesn't make it into the show itself. So for a concrete way to support a strong progressive voice, please visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Other news now and Catholics have got a new way to uh, realise quite how appalling they are as human beings. <laughs> <laughs> that is not the objective analysis of isn't this it? particular news story, I that, Andy, I but carry what, on. I thought that's what Catholicism was all about, isn't it? You've got to be <laughs> well, aware of it. It kind of is. I'm not saying they are. I'm just saying that it seems that their religion likes them to think that they are. That's, that is true. Yeah. 
Yeah, nice, no. uh, nice backtracking oh, there, Catholics, are, Catholics you, are lovely. I yeah. would happily eat one that's been properly cooked. Um, uh, there's now an iPhone confessions app, mm-hmm. um, which apparently uh, for one dollar ninety nine, yeah, it can't actually grant forgiveness. I mean, that I guess you only get if you jailbreak your phone. Yeah. Um, and uh, but it's basically an app for you to I don't know, just start confessing stuff. Um, problem is, I guess you just get hooked in by these apps and you start deliberately sinning in order to be able to use your uh, iPhone a bit more or just make shit up about what you've done. And the questions on this range from have I wished evil on another person <laughs> to have I used any method of contraception or artificial birth control in my marriage. Oh, for God's sake, And you, you check a box next to every sin that you've committed and when that's done, the app uh, lists all your sins and displays a written act of contrition <laughs> and a prayer that you can recite <laughs> as penitence. I think I might. Yeah. I think I might do it. Maybe, maybe next week I'll do that, Andy. I'll download this app. And let's, <laughs> let's see how much we've yeah. sinned during that week and then what the punishment would be. I think apparently there's a new update that will be out shortly which will give you a score out of 100 for how much of a sinner you are, a oh. suggested guilt rating. And you can also now tweet your sins direct to the Vatican where your confession will be broadcast on a ticker across the front of St Peter's. <laughs> um, also, if you jailbreak your phone, you can confess other people's sins for them. Uh, your phone can flagellate you like a naughty monk, and uh, it can also give you a list of suggested sins you might like to consider perpetrating in any given social situation. But it was inevitable, John. You think, uh, you know, omniscient, omnipresent, alarmingly able to intrude into your private life. If nothing else, God was the forerunner of the mobile internet. Um, and his signal quality isn't always the best. I, I certainly live in a reception black spot. But, <laughs> but he was there first, John. He was there first. God, There's a huge poll out on uh, creationism and what percentage of the country uh, believes it. Now the headline from it is that 40% of the country still believes that humans were created by God within the last 10,000 years. Okay. Now everybody's saying, wow, isn't that a big number? But actually we'd seen that before in polls, so I'm not that discouraged by it. Actually there are things in this poll that I am encouraged by. Okay. Now first understand that these are people not saying God did creation. It's that, that, that creationism, as is put forward by evangelical right-wing Christians in this country, is correct, and that it was in the last 10,000 years, specifically as they uh, say. Okay? When you go to the number of, wait a minute, how many people believe that humans have evolved from more basic organisms, but with God playing a role in the process? That number is now 38%. We almost caught them. Okay? Now, I'm not in that 38%. I'm in the, the 16% that believe that it's secular evolution. Humans have evolved with no divine guidance. Okay, But I'll take that other 38% and run with it. I mean, if you think God is involved somehow, but you believe in evolution of the organisms developing as science explains it, well, that's I got no beef with that. I mean, that's look, all I want is for you to not believe things that are patently not true. There are fossils that are millions of years old. This whole idea that the Earth didn't exist 10,000 years ago, that's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. If you say, oh no, evolution is right and this happened, but God played a role, well, look, that's why I'm agnostic and not an atheist. I actually don't have a problem with that. That's your belief. That doesn't lead to anything that isn't demonstrably false, in my opinion. Or Some atheists will disagree, but hey, it's a free country. So, and to give you a sense of why I'm encouraged by it, look, in 1993 and 99, when they had done the same poll, and this is Gallup, by the way, very respected polling organization, uh, 47% believed in the creationism, in my opinion, myth, 
of the humans evolving, created by God 10,000 years ago. Okay? So if it's gone down from 47 to 40. We're making progress. We're making progress. How about the number that's in my camp of uh, humans evolved with no divine guidance? That number since 82 has jumped from 9% to 16, almost doubling, right? Hey, look, what did I tell you? I said, just give us a couple of generations, because we're right, they're wrong. And it looks like everything is trending in our direction. Because they keep, you know what happens? People look at the evidence. And the other thing that happens is people are going to church less. Of course, you're not going to be surprised by this. 60% of the people who go to church on a regular basis said that they believe in creationism. Only 2% believe that there was evolution without divine guidance, which I say, of course. But here's the other encouraging fact. For the people who do not go to church, look at the numbers. Only 24% believe in creationism. 39% believe in evolution without divine guidance. 39% are, are in my camp of no divine guidance at all. They're not even in the middle camp. So, and less and less people are going to church. So now, of course, the Christian right sees this and their heads explode. They're like, no, we didn't come from monkeys, those damn apes. Now go back to church. Let us mislead you with our propaganda about how we were created 10,000 years ago. But for people who are fans of facts and the truth and science, this is actually very good news. I, you know, I wish the number 40% was, of course, much lower. But we're going to get there. We're going to get there, all right? Let's keep going and telling people the reality. And, and look, I'm, tell you, I'm, I'm one of those guys. Don't go to war with people who think that it, it has to do with God, uh, how evolution is brought about by some order. As long as they're not dictating policy, I really, I have no beef with them whatsoever. Look, and I actually think, and, and this is why I disagree with atheists, and I know the terms are different and everybody will argue about the terms, right? But this is what I mean by it. Look, there is an order in the world. E equals MC squared, it doesn't equal MC cubed. Why is that order there? How did it come about? I don't know, I don't know. There isn't science behind it. If there was science behind exactly where it evolved from, then I would tell you, but we don't know. So I think it's kind of arrogant to say, no, our suppositions are correct, and their suppositions are incorrect, right? Now I know a lot of people really disagree with that on the, on the atheist side. For good reasons, I, I've heard all the logic before on it, but I'm in the camp of, hey, look, if that's what they believe, and they're not believing things that aren't, you know, absolutely untrue, I got no problem. Making progress, making progress. Ladies and gentlemen, news of the godly. The Archdiocese of Milwaukee has directed its attorneys to file for bankruptcy protection. <laughs> yes, because pending sexual abuse lawsuits in Milwaukee have left it with debts it can't pay. Um, just interrupting that for a moment to um, share a lovely moment. I don't think I shared this with you last week. I don't think I did. If it's a, if it's a repeat. Enjoy. Sounds good in here. Um, my uh, the British family with which I'm entwined maritally, uh, we'd all decided on Christmas Eve to go around the corner from where we live to the neighborhood Catholic Church, St. Francis of Assisi, or as I call him, Frankie Animals. That's his gangland name uh, for carols. You know, we figured we could sneak out before the mass. That's hard sneaking. They they don't take a break. They I guess they saw us coming. Anyway, so um, early in the carol sing, the uh, priest 
lovely, um, fine, upstanding Irish gentleman, brings up a, a young boy, about 11-year-old lad, to uh, sing in those beautiful choir boy tones uh, a couple of carols. And uh, when the lad had concluded, these were the priest's words to the crowd. Doesn't he get a little clap? Back to the story, the Roman Catholic Archdiocese in Milwaukee is entering Chapter 11 reorganization so it could continue its work as a church while also compensating victims of sexual abuse, according to the Archbishop. The cases in Milwaukee include allegations that one priest sexually abused about 200 boys at a suburban school for deaf students. You remember that song from last year? From 1950 to 1974. The song almost made me bankrupt. What are you doing? The Archdiocese had been in mediation with some purported victims. Purported? This is the L.A. Times. But that stalled last month after the men said they wanted church documents and other agreements released along with the money. The uh, Archdiocese spokesman says the failed negotiation means the church will probably face lawsuits involving large legal fees. The bankruptcy reorganization is the best way to ensure the church could meet its financial obligations. The arch, The abuse... Cases have already cost the Archdiocese more than $29 million, almost 200 claims over the last 20 years. The Archdiocese is the eighth in the United States to seek bankruptcy protection since 2002. And when the uh, abuse scandal erupted, the others, Fairbanks, Alaska, Portland, Oregon, San Diego, California, Spokane, Washington, Tucson... Wilmington, Delaware, and Davenport, Iowa. The city's so nice, they named it after a sofa. You can run on for a long time, run on for a long time, run on for a long time. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Go tell that long-tongued liar, go and tell that midnight rider, Tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter Tell him that God's gonna cut him down Tell him that God's gonna cut him down Well, my goodness gracious, let me tell you the news My head's been wet with the midnight dew I've been down on bended knee Talking to the man from Galilee He spoke to me with a voice so sweet I thought I heard the shuffle of angels sweet. He called my name and my heart stood still When he said, John, go do my will But you have this new mix to these people. There's a little extra new little spice. And this woman is uh, an example of that. The, 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 the worldview, the, the, the conspiracies they've constructed, it really is uh, impressive. I think you're going to enjoy uh, this clip from this uh, woman. Can I ask you one, one, one general question about today? Um, uh, when do you think America lost her honor? A very long time ago, but just like me, I was sleeping. My life kept rolling on and I wasn't paying attention. And I didn't pay attention until two years ago. And now I think all of us are awake. I think we are truly a divided country. I think that both parties are corrupt. And I think we need to really, all of us, each of us, have a responsibility to ourselves, our children, and the, this country's future to pay attention. What, what woke you up? Reverend Wright, you can't make me or convince me that you can go to church with someone for 20 years and not share the same ideology. You can't, you can't convince me of that. So you think uh, Obama is a Christian? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Do you? Uh, no, I do not believe he is a Christian at all. I think that he has bowed down to the Muslim faith. I think he was raised as a child Muslim. And you know what? If he is Muslim, just be honest about it. I dated Muslim. <laughs> I thought, but why, why, why do you think he went to? Then why do you have a problem with him going to Reverend Wright's church? Have you listened to some of Reverend Wright's words? Well, you don't think he's actually listening. Oh, come on. He, I'm not, I'm, I'm just, I'm I get confused. what I understand what you're saying, okay? He wanted people to believe that he was a Christian because he's going into the election year, okay? So he knew his future was politics. 
he was well set up from the day he went to college coming out, okay? So he had to put on that front. His past is clearly Muslim. How else could he have recited the beginning of the um, Islamic prayers? Not, uh, Christians don't memorize those things. You know what I'm saying? Well, to be fair, I know some Christians who know some Jewish prayers. I, I will agree with you there. Okay, that is true. That is true. So, so now, now if this is where I want to have Glenn Beck's chalkboard, right? Because we have to work this out. How can you go to church with someone for twenty years and not share their ideology? And Sam, oh, she so told she's, you. So she's she, a Christian. She, she told so, you he was under deep cover. Wait, ever wait, since he was. But she started with the premise that if you go in there for twenty years, you have to share the ideology. You're sharing the ideology. She says that. Well, but I, then she says, but in fact, he doesn't share the ideology because he's a secret Muslim. Well, so is Jeremiah Wright then. So Jeremiah Wright is a secret Muslim who was planted there twenty-five or thirty-five years ago. Because the secret Muslim society knew that Obama, when he graduated from Harvard, would have to go to a Christian church, but didn't want him to go to a real Christian church led by a real Christian pastor. So what they that did would be is too easy. they inserted a secret Muslim into the leadership of the church so that Obama could go and sit there for 20 years, listen to the secret Muslim acting as a Christian, both absorb the Muslim uh, ideology under the guise of absorbing a Christian ideology, and then, of course, then, and then uh, you know, obviously, uh, Obviously, that's what woke her up. You know how clever they are? Glenn Beck accused Obama of following liberation theology, and of course liberation theology is Christian, not Muslim. So even their own leader is in on it. You know, these, they're, right. they're playing a deeper game than you or I can understand. Right. If that's you take the words liberation theology and you were to say them on a record, and you were to play the record backwards, it would actually say Obama's a secret Muslim, and uh, he's actually, you know, the, the, the whole liberation theology is really just about Muslim. In the but voice of Ozzy Osbourne. Exactly. Or isn't it, it's, it's Paul McCartney. As an anti-consumerism advocate, I'd like to encourage you to shop less, don't buy things you don't need, and only buy the necessities from local, independently owned businesses. That said, if you don't take this good advice, then at least there's a way to shop that helps support this show at the same time. Simply click through to Amazon.com, just one of the major companies under constant boycott by one liberal cause or another, from the banner posted at bestoftheleft.com. Better yet, click through just once and bookmark that link to use every time you shop. Your shopping experience will be identical to normal, it will cost you nothing extra, but 7-8% to of the cost of your order in soulless corporate blood money will be siphoned off and used to tremendously support the production of this show. Thanks for doing the right thing, whatever you consider that to be. It's the Onion Radio News. A Christian weightlifter bends an iron bar to demonstrate the power of God's love. This is Doyle Redland reporting. Christian weightlifter Michael Brighton bent a two-inch thick iron bar in half today before a standing crowd of 11,000 at a He is Risen rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma, clearly displaying the power of God's love within the heart and body of his followers. The strong man had this to say before the wildly cheering multitude. Do you see the power of faith and belief? Only a strong personal relationship with my creator could have made this possible. The 255-pound Brighton followed the impressive feat of spiritual prowess by demonstrating God's hatred of wooden boards and blocks of ice. Doyle Redland for the Onion. Where do I go to fall from grace? God put a smile upon your face. Yeah.
was this great article in Alternet uh, written by Rob Boston, and he talked about how um, there are certain fundamentalist uh, churches and ministries that are lying to public school administrators and telling them that they want to do an assembly on suicide prevention or drug use prevention. And then what they really do is they infiltrate the school and they start talking about um, becoming born again. Or <laughs> I, I love the imagery behind that. That they infiltrate the school. They're like dun 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 and then they grab you and they're like, Come on, be born again. That's what they do though. That's what they do though. Jesus loves you. Dun 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 No, this story was fascinating, okay? Because I first of all, I'm not surprised that it happens. Okay, they're crazy, you know, extreme religious individuals that will do anything to get, you know, kids to follow their religion. But some of the tactics that they use are clownish and a little amusing. Oh, can't wait. All right. Some of them use costumes. Oh, it's awesome. Like to, to get oh, infiltrating a school with a costume is fantastic. <laughs> I, I almost want to be part of this group. You what know, do they, they wear the furry outfits? Like the, <laughs> the form of a panda. <laughs> like they'll come in, you know, wearing some sort of costume that'll uh, grab the, the student's attention. Uh -huh. Like some of them will dress up like, <laughs> I don't know, I'm making this up, but some of them dress up like they're athletes, uh -huh. right? And um, there's one uh, specific ministry called Sports World Ministries. They say that they're going to come in and they're going to talk about suicide prevention. But they actually come in with like former athletes that are now like fundamentalists. Uh -huh. And um, they'll come in like ripping phone books and, um, you know, pretending like they're super strong. Well, they are strong if they're ripping a phone book. <laughs> okay, and then where does that go? When do they get, like, get people in a headlock? And no, them, you know, Jesus well, noogie. <laughs> well, this is at an assembly. So they'll be at an assembly, and they'll try to entertain the students for a little while. And then after entertaining them, and they know they got the kids' attention, they'll be like, have you found Jesus? Because Jesus is good for you. And like, blah, blah, blah. And, and, uh, then, yeah. and then they'll invite the children to an after-school event or a party. And they'll try to lure them in with free drinks and free entertainment. But in reality, they're going to try to give them... Are they the, giving away any shots? They're like, <laughs> Jack Daniels, it's all going to be cool. No, I like the idea of the assembly. They're like, all right, now, everybody. Oh, suicide sucks. Don't do suicide. That's a bummer. Now I rip a phone book. And then finally, here's Jesus. It's not a bad strategy. Maybe we should try this, right? Like, that's how we, we sleep ourselves for TYT Army. We're like, oh, suicide is terrible. That's no good. Uh, watch me do 10 jumping jacks and... TYT! Everybody watch the Young Turks. Think about it. Think about it. So Elizabeth Edwards, uh, so Amanda wrote about this on, pe I'm just going to start calling it Pendagon because I'm pissed that everyone who tried to correct Pandagon. me. Pendagon. It is Pendagon, right? And she is Amanda Marcotte. Oh, so that guy was right. Yeah. I'm still mad at him. Amanda Marcotte. So she wrote how, she. Uh, so Elizabeth Edwards, when she died, she wrote a note that said, you all know that I've been sustained throughout my life by three saving graces, my family, my friends, and a faith in the power of resilience and hope. Now, you were probably expecting what I was expecting because you're so used to it, and a faith in a higher power, right, the yes. power guiding over me, blah, blah. The pa Thank you, higher power, for giving me breast cancer <laughs> and having my husband impregnate some fucking Really redneck. looking out for Lizzie. Thank you. Okay. So, 
She goes, so Amanda writes, did you catch that too? I know, I can hardly believe it. And you're probably shocked to the core by her dreadful mission. She didn't mention her faith in Jesus. Holy crap, you mean women are going around dying of cancer without words of praise for their Lord and Savior of their mind? Uh, I love Amanda's writing so much. So then she goes, wait, you're thinking no one could possibly so insensitive and arrogant that they think they should dictate what a dying person's final thoughts should be, other than us atheists, that is, who are expected to barge into the deathbed scenes and (laughs) slap the weak-willed, fading sap until they renounce their false beliefs in God. (laughs) Oh, hang on, we don't do that either. So... She writes, no one could be that arrogant except a Christian. Get a napkin ready just in case you feel the urge to throw up. Here is how one Christian reacted to Elizabeth Edwards, who just died when this was written, to her death. And I want to point out that I'm, I'm reading this to highlight that even though we've talked a lot of shit about atheists, every once in a while, and we're atheists, about the atheist community we've talked a lot of shit on. Every once in a while, you need a reminder to realize that we're still the good guys. Right, (laughs) right. Okay. Clearly, Elizabeth Edwards wants to put her faith in something, be it hope or strength or anything, but not God. I wonder if it's just bitterness that she's been forsaken by more than just her estranged husband, that she's been forsaken by, caps lock, him. And imagine if she'd have become first lady. Americans generally expect outward expressions of faith in our presidents, Christian faith especially, and thus in our first ladies as well. The Democratic base obviously doesn't care, as we can see in the wow factor expressed by the author at the American Prospect. Being anti-religion is cool, so Edward's non-theological theology gets props from the neo-communists. Still at her deathbed and giving what most folks are calling a final goodbye, Elizabeth Edwards couldn't find it somewhere deep down to ask for his caps lock blessings as she prepares for the air after i guess that nihilism i've been discussing reaches up higher into the hard left precincts than i thought wow wait so who was that who wrote that some christian somewhere just I didn't say christian follow the link okay so how about that that's pretty ballsy you have thoughts on that you got thoughts um, on just maybe that mentality? I mean, it's easy just to be like, oh, well, that woman's a fucking flaming yeah, well, cockhole. It's, it's not surprising, you know, it, that kind of arrogance and just blatant hypocrisy, just total unawareness, <laughs> you know, just of a Christian behaving like such an anti-Christian, no compassion, no love, no humanity at all, not realizing they're talking about a dead woman who a lot of people admired and loved and who had a a tremendously painful life right uh just no compassion at all that doesn't really surprise me though that that level of hypocrisy like when you were reading it i was thinking this is really awful but it's it's really not surprising taking a big that was took too big of a sip of water that was weird that was like a horse sculp that was bizarre Like you're drinking water out of a trough. My uh, my rice. I like my rice krispies the size of desks, and my water bottles the size of troughs. Is what is what I say down at the ranch. That's not real. Yeah, I mean the reason I wanted to read that is I don't think anybody was surprised by that. Um, and of course we have some great progressive Christians who like listen to the show. So I'm not saying that every single Christian wrote this letter. You know they all signed they on. Got together. And although they are better at organizing than us, so I wouldn't be surprised. But the the main reason I wanted to point that out is, you know, when Ali and I talk about religion a lot on the show, it's very issue oriented, which I think is important. I, I think it's more important to for atheists to fight for gay rights, to fight for a woman's right to choose, to fight for science in the classroom, all this stuff. I think that's far more important than sitting around and being like, Christians, bunch of stupid idiots. But stuff like this reminds me that it's not just these issues that are tainted by religion, but it's really people. I mean, it was just... So arrogant. And I've heard other things like this where it's just like, 
It's bizarre. You know what's interesting in that letter? So she kept saying, uh, acting like she's selfless, right? And she's like, why didn't she just, Elizabeth couldn't even put faith in him, put faith in him. So, you know, they act like they're so selfless. I'm just doing this for God. I'm doing this for Jesus. But every time she said him and it was in that creepy caps lock, what that's saying is validate me. Why didn't she validate what I believe? Why, you know, by her saying that I'm not going to go to heaven, or by her not believing in God, that means she doesn't think I'm going to go to heaven and I want to go to... It's just narcissistic. And you're right. It is arrogant. It's, it's even arrogant if you do believe in God because that is her assuming she knows God's will and what, right. and what God wanted from Elizabeth and what God's going to do to Elizabeth. Like, that's the thing about Christianity. They, they claim to be pious. They claim to be humble. But they also claim to know what God wants and who he condemns and who he loves. And they have... No fucking idea. You know, like, I obviously don't believe in God, but even if you did believe in their idea of God, they don't know God. How amazing would it be if there was a God and they got to heaven and his first line is, you think you fucking know me? You don't know me. It's- you know nothing of my work. <laughs> it's suddenly like a Maury Povich episode. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know me. All I could think of was Cartman, by the way. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it really is so egotistical. You know what? You know who my absolute favorite kind of Christians are? Not, I want to get to God to find out the meaning of life, or I want to go to heaven so I could eat all the pancakes I want. I saw, I, I want to meet someone who's like, you know what? I do believe in God. And the first thing I say when I meet him is, hey, motherfucker, I got some fucking questions for you. Right. Because you have left us hanging. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's what I fucking want. Not like, oh, I, I just want to praise him him and fucking suck on his cock and it's yeah i mean again if you do believe in god i know we have listeners who do and god created you he created an inquisitive mind that asks questions so it's okay to ask these questions and to to doubt the people that claim to speak for god because they don't when the president talks to God are the conversations brief or long does he ask to rape our women's rights and send poor farm kids off to die does God suggest an oil hike when the president talks to God when the president talks to God are the consonants all hard or soft is he resolute all down the line is every issue black or white Does what God say ever change his mind when the president talks to God? When the president talks to God, does he fake that drawl or merely nod? Agree which convicts should be killed, where prisons should be built and filled? Which voter fraud must be concealed when the president talks to God? Again, this week, Bill did what centuries of philosophers before him could not do. He proved the existence of God. Papa Bear was debating the president of the American Atheist Association, David Silverman. And might I suggest to Mr. Silverman, if you're trying to win Christians over to atheism, it's probably not the best strategy to look like the devil. (laughs) See, what happened here, uh, folks, was this. The atheist, Mr. Silverman here, put up a billboard in Huntsville, Alabama that says of all religions, you know they're all scams. Well, Bill nailed him like Martin Luther King nailing Jesus to a church door. Jim, show us the light. I'll tell you why it's not a scam, in my opinion, Uh all right? Tide goes in, tide goes out, never a miscommunication. You can't explain that. Yeah. Yeah, don't have any answer to that, do you, Mr. Atheist Pants? Now, it turns out this wasn't the first time Bill has proven God's existence. I say, listen, sun goes up, sun goes down, tide comes in, tide comes out, there's no miscommunication. Sun comes up, the sun goes down. The tide comes in, the tide goes out. It always happens. Never a miscommunication. I just don't think we could have lucked out to have the tides come in, the tides go out, sun go up, sun go down. Don't think it could have happened. Now, like all great theologies, bills can be boiled down to one sentence. There must be a God because I don't know how things work. The point is, the point is, 
There is a God because we don't know what causes the tides and we can never know what causes them. My best guess is that the ocean levels rise when God gets in the bath and lower again when he gets out. And he takes two baths a day because cleanliness is next to himliness. So get used to it, atheists. There is a God, he created the tides, and no one can explain what causes them. Actually, Stephen, I can. Astrophysicist and director of the Hayden Planetarium at the American Museum of Natural History, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Neil, thanks so much. Hello. Hey, so, Neil. Neil, what are you doing here? Well, oh, thank you. <laughs> What well, are you doing here, Neil? I was at Neil? the planetarium at my office, and I overheard your confusion about tides, so I rushed right over. How, how did you get here so fast? A, a I have a wormhole. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, Stephen, the changing tides are caused by a couple of factors, but mostly the moon. The moon makes the tides change. So the oceans are werewolves. That makes sense. Okay, thanks no, for stopping no, by, Neil. No, no, Stephen, Stephen, no, that's not what I said. As the moon orbits the Earth, the gravitational force exerts a pull on the side of the Earth closest to the moon, and that raises the tides. So the moon controls the tides? Exactly. So the moon is God. All hail Luna! All hail Luna! Virgin bride of Father Night! We must stone heretic Neil Armstrong for soiling her face with his boots! Stephen. Stephen, the moon is not God. It's just astrophysics. And you know this because? I'm an astrophysicist. <laughs> so you control the tides. Neil deGrasse Tyson is God! Neil before Neil! Yeah. How would you like to be able to read books and periodicals without the need for tree-killing paper, the actual ability to read, or having to pay a giant corporation for the pleasure? I sure would, but I don't think that exists. Two out of three ain't bad, though, because Audible, an Amazon company, is just such a giant corporation that can make these other wishes a reality. By signing up at audiblepodcast.com slash best, you'll receive a free audiobook of your choice, yours to keep even if you cancel within the 14-day free trial. That's audiblepodcast.com slash best to take something for nothing from a company who obviously didn't write the copy for this advertisement. There's a man in Indiana, uh, he's having some uh, marital issues. In fact, he's divorced. He's got three kids. They used to have an uh, uh, arrangement for sharing the kids that was fine. Uh, it was disturbed recently for a number of reasons, uh, which I'll explain in a little bit. Uh, but the court had to make a new ruling on how they would share the kids. Uh, we got a news story here on uh, what they took into consideration to make that ruling, which is absolutely outrageous. So let's watch the story. For the past four years, he's lived his life like many divorced dads, sharing 50-50 custody of his three children. Uh, that's Kaylin, that's William, and the other one's Ava. But last week, Craig Scarberry got news that time with his kids would be cut to just four hours a week and every other weekend. And anybody who's been around me and my children for more than five, ten minutes can see the love and the bond that's there. This keeps you away from your kids. Too. It keeps me away from my kids. <laughs> Since they've been born, I have been active in their life. Searching the ruling, he found Judge George Pankel wrote, the father did not participate in the same religious training as the mother and noted that the father was agnostic. It goes on to say that when the father considered himself a Christian, the parties were able to communicate relatively effectively. I had never um, imposed my belief systems on the children. Matter of fact, our kids go to a Christian daycare um, that when we had joint legal, I had to agree to for the last, you know, three, four years. Aside from all the friction and emotion with his ex-wife, Scarberry, a veteran of the U.S. Navy, says his constitutional rights that he fought for have been trampled. And at the highest degree, because nothing else is important to me in this world other than my relationship with those kids. Scarberry says he will appeal the judge's ruling. He'll have until December 1st to do that, and then two weeks later, he'll hold a protest here in Madison County 
forefathers' rights. In Anderson, Ray Cortapassi, Fox 59 News. All right. This is an unbelievable story. It's as you see out of Anderson, Indiana. Uh, and uh, the guy's name is Craig Scarberry, as you saw. And it, originally, they had this agreement uh, on how to share the kids. But they've been having trouble lately because... Uh, now, the ex-wife claims that Scarberry come, once came to her office and was yelling at her and used expletives. Okay. Now, look, then uh, the court said that, this, that Scarberry presented no risk whatsoever to the kids and that that was not an issue at all, right? Uh, but at least they had a conflict there. Now, on the other hand, Scarberry says of his ex-wife, hey, you know what? She doesn't, uh, she's, sometimes she's not even in the house when the kids are there, and that's neglect. So it's a typical divorce in the sense that they're getting at one another and they're charging each other with all sorts of things. The only time that anything physical ever happened was one time there was an argument between Scarberry and the ex-wife's current boyfriend. And that guy came out of the car and hit Scarberry in the face. And then police charged him later and said he was the aggressor and this guy that you saw Scarberry was the victim, right? So Scarberry didn't do anything there either, right? He got hit in the head three different times in that incident, right? For, and then this judge comes in, and I'll, t I'll tell you who it is exactly and how they ruled here, because I'm, I'm blown away by it. Uh, it's uh, Madison County Superior Court Three Commissioner George C. Pankel, and it was affirmed by Judge Thomas Newman. They came in and said, well, yeah, look, the guy's agnostic, and, you know, uh, that's relevant to these proceedings. That's not relevant. That's crazy. You can't... Is th not only can you not consider that in... Uh, whether you give him uh, more time with his kids or less time with his kids, that is wildly unconstitutional. Can you imagine if the court said, oh, well, the guy's a Jew. Of course you can't let him spend more time with the kids. He's going to get less time with the kids. That'd be outrageous, right? It'd be outrageous if it happened to any religion, Islam, Christian. Can you imagine if the judge came in and said, well, the dad's a Christian. I mean, you know how the Christians are. They're stupid. I'm not going to give him. The country would explode. The Fox News would cover 24-7. And they should. That's not right. That's not constitutional. And here's a guy who, you know, is exercising his freedom of religion and not to believe religion. And a judge punishes him for it and takes at least partly his kids away in getting to spend more time with them. The thing that's most precious to him. This is beyond outrageous. So should he do a protest, which he's planning on December 16th? Hell yes. And that court in Indiana should hear from a lot of people across the country and they should hear from ser some serious lawyers because this should not stand. Hi, Jay. My name's Jack. I'm a sophomore in high school, and I absolutely love the show. I just thought I would call in and give my opinion on the union fights going on across the country that you talked about in your last show. As a person who attends public school, I have a personal connection with many unionized teachers, and something I'm hearing a lot from all of them is they want to know uh, how taking away their rights to ask for more money affects the state's ability to cut their budgets or just say, no, you can't have more money. I think it's absurd that Wisconsin governor is trying to take away these rights even after the Wisconsin unions have already agreed to all fiscal cuts. Um, now with that bit of input aside, I would just like to apologize for not being able to donate the show. As a, as a high school, my funds are limited, but I just want you to know that I support the show wholeheartedly. I love it. It's a huge part of my media experience and helps me get information I wouldn't be able to otherwise. I live in a tiny town in Oregon, so my cultural and political interests aren't exactly easy to connect to other people with, and your show provides me a chance to do that with myself. Now, finally, I would just like to suggest an idea for the show. Uh, what if you did a show on culture, on the culture war, or a show on religion? I haven't heard a show about religion in a while. Maybe if you were to do one, you could put in some emphasis on being an atheist or non-Christian in America. Where I live is very rural and fairly Christian, so even though I'm an atheist, religion is a huge part of my life. And it's difficult being an atheist in a Christian community. Uh, and America is a hugely Christian community, so I don't know, just an idea. Thank you for letting me call in. I love the show. Sorry I can't donate. And to anyone else listening who hasn't donated, I would just like to urge you to donate for me. The show is great. I think we all love it. Jay, you're doing a fantastic job. So I would just like to urge anyone who can donate to donate. Okay, thanks.
Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to Jack, the sophomore in high school who called in to leave that message that was played on today's show. Uh, you know, it always warms my heart when I find out that there are people that young, uh, not only interested, but engaged in politics, you know, by listening to a show like this or writing in or, or even leaving a message, as, as Jack did. Um, and uh, and speaking of him, though, he had a little bit of a ask and you shall receive moment today because he, he called in, I, don't know, I think yesterday, and left that message. And as part of it said, hey, why don't you do a show on religion? And turns out, bam, just like that, uh, the very next show, uh, all about religion. And, uh, you know, I, I would love to say that it was all because of Jack and, uh, and, and his suggestion, but yeah, it's not quite true. So, um, but I, w- I wanted to ask you guys about that because the reason that I, I did the show that I did today, you know, I, I could have gone, I could have done another episode on Wisconsin part two, uh, you know, the epic battle continues, but, um, here's why I wanted to change it up because I, am uh, getting sick to death of these gigantic stories dominating the headlines that force me to make shows uh, based purely on a single issue rather than a single topic. And uh, and so I'm I kind of had that feeling and now I want to know if you know what you guys think. And you know I'm guessing there's going to be a mixed mixed bag of responses, um, but I want to take the most informal poll in the history of the world, and and whenever I do this, you know, it doesn't come up that often, but when I'm concerned with the show and, and the direction it's taking, I definitely want to get feedback from you guys, and it absolutely, you know, what you guys say absolutely affects how I end up running the show in the future. So so my question to you guys is, you know, as we've been seeing, the the news has not been very friendly to the format of the show. When, whenever I describe this show to someone who's not familiar with it, I always, uh, I literally just steal and paraphrase uh, the way Ira Glass describes this American life in every one of his episodes. And I say, each episode, I choose a theme, a political theme, and bring you a variety of stories on that political theme. You know, that's obvious. That's the essence of the show. You guys all know this. And um, when a news story comes along that's so big, so large that it dominates everything else. You know, we had the Gabrielle Giffords shooting recently. We had the Egypt and other various Middle East uh, revolutions going on. That took three episodes to cover. And and now, uh, you know, protests in Wisconsin, uh, you know, it's really, to me, uh, as a producer of a show where I like to cover a variety of stories, uh irksome. What do you guys think? The choices are either, hey, you know, the, the, the mixed bag shows, you know, like this one about religion, lots of various stories about religion or something about the media, lots of various stories about the media. You know, th- those are great. But when you get really in depth in these, in just one story, man, I love that. I love to just get way down in the weeds and get a super concentrated dose of all the Wisconsin protest politics I can get my hands on. Or the other option is, you know, man, when I uh, when I see a new episode come up and it's a part one uh, of a who knows how many part series, God forbid it's part two or part three, uh, you know, I can't uh, I, I can't start listening to that until I down at least a double dose of my antidepressants. Man, you know, the, the only thing that gets me through is the the nice uh, lively pace of the show jumping from story to story when it's the same story over and over again, man give me a break. Uh, you know, I'm going to start skipping these if you keep putting them out. So those are the two options. Either, uh, you love it or, uh, they send you into a spiraling pit of depression. So, uh, you know, send an email. There are lots of ways to get in touch with the show. You can post on Facebook. Uh, what I prefer is uh, that you leave a voicemail so that I'm not the only one who hears your opinion. I would love for this to be, you know, it doesn't drag out, but you know, a little conversation, uh, because this really does guide how I'll do the show. Um, so anyways, that's why I did this show today. I could have done another Wisconsin, but I was like, man, let's, uh, let's liven this up. So, um, so here it is. And I think I just mentioned the voicemail. I think I didn't, uh, say what the number was yet. So if you would like to leave a comment question or activist call to action to be played on the show, the number to dial is 206-202-3410. I want to quickly mention, and I'm going to start promoting this more heavily. Power shift is coming up. This is a giant, giant, like 10,000 people are going to be showing up in Washington, DC. This is a youth, youth oriented 
climate change conference. You do not have to be a youth to attend. Uh, that is just kind of the target audience, basically, trying to trying to create the next generation of climate activists coming up through the system. Uh, that is happening April 15th through the 18th in Washington, D.C. It's going to be at the uh, giant convention center there. Uh, I just registered, purchased my ticket. I will be there. I will be making a show. Uh, I hope if everything goes well, I will be making a show based on the content that's happening there. Uh, this is being put on. Not only have I attended these in the past, I did just enough help a little bit of volunteer work a little, little bit of help behind the scenes uh in the past that um that i just barely qualified to get a staff t-shirt instead of a regular attendee t-shirt so and, you know I, I i know the people who put these on uh they're friends of mine and so i know how completely badass on the ball uh you know passionate people they are in in the climate movement and you know i wouldn't i wouldn't trust my climate to anybody else besides these guys so if you're interested in that issue Definitely check that out, powershift2011.org for all the details, and uh, registration is opened now. Now, I just want to thank a couple of members before I go. Caroline M. signed up for a leftist monthly membership back on May 25th, and Michael O. signed up for a socialist yearly membership back on September 12th. So huge thanks to Caroline and Michael and all of the members and donors who make the show possible. Uh, you, you guys know that I uh, talk myself blue in the face. Uh, saying how much I appreciate you guys. So, uh, you know, please, please keep that up. <laughs> keep those memberships uh, active. Don't let them cancel. And um, know that you are the reason the show is able to exist the way it does. Of course, everyone can support the show just by telling everyone you know about it. Uh, stay tuned into the show on Facebook and Twitter. Donate your Twitter account via uh, donateyouraccount.com slash best of the left, which is linked on my site as well. For details on the show itself, links to all of the sources and music used in this and every episode are always available in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from far outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast coming to you 11 times a month. Thanks entirely to the members and donors of the show from bestoftheleft.com. Black and Just a fond farewell to a